This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Ferd Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Ferd Neiman here again today with another episode of the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast. Excited as heck to introduce my guest today. This is a guy I met him at the George Allen Conference a couple, couple months back in Nashville. Got a chance to speak to him at the uh, recent MHI conference in, in Chicago, and I don't want to give him the real full introduction because his introduction was awesome at that conference. I want him to do it, but please help me welcome my guest, big time mobile home park owner, Julio Jaramillo. Julio, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Thank you for, yeah, it was a pleasure meeting you and <clears throat> seeing you again in Chicago. And uh, yeah, I basically want to tell you my, my background and my story. I, I've been in this industry 31 odd years. So you, you, you wouldn't think I get a lot of people saying, well, how, how, how the heck do you end up in this when, when so many people are just jumping into the fray now, but uh, I, you know, I, I started right when I was in college, but I'll, I'll give you my quick background. I'm, I'm a proud American, uh, born in Medellin, Colombia, uh, immigrated here legally to the States when I was two and have just always been, been, you know, thankful and proud and appreciative of this country and what it's offered me. And so again, I never get much into politics and stuff, but I'll, I'll always stand and defend our flag and our country because it's given me what I, I could have never achieved anywhere else. I mean, even in my, even where I was born in Colombia, to to build a portfolio now that we're we're probably valued at you know 300 million plus um, would would have you know I'd have been paying off drug lords and everyone else along the way to even to even have anything like this. So um, so again, proud to proud to be an American. You know, my my name's Julio Jaramillo. I speak Spanish. I very much love where I was born, Colombia. I visit there annually. It's safe now. So if you guys want to ever go to Medellin or Cartagena or any of the other places, it's a great place to visit. The people are great. The food's great. And so, uh, but at the same time, this is my home. Uh, and to, to own communities in now 12 states uh, is it, just amazing and how we've done it. So uh, my, my quick background and how I got into the industry, uh, I, I was in high school at Burbank High, I, you know, did well in school, was a co-valedictorian, got a scholarship to MIT and Caltech, said the hell with the weather and MIT, I'm staying in California, and um, went to went to Caltech for a year studying aero, aeronautical, aerospace engineering, mm -hmm. and realized, yeah, yeah, I realized it just wasn't for me. I mean, the, 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 the thing you see about nerds and rocket scientists, and it, it is all that. I mean, the, 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 the people were, you know, I hate to say it because I was one of them. I mean, I had a, a, a basically a perfect SAT in my math and calculus and everything. That was just my calling. But I I, I didn't didn't like the, the atmosphere. So I switched to UCLA. And while at UCLA, my parents were divorced and I was putting myself through school. And I went to the career center and picked up a job looking for a part-time job, accounts payable clerk, the Carlisle Group, $9 an hour. And th this isn't the hedge fund, the Carlisle Group. This is Ron Singer's the Carlisle group out here in Beverly Hills, California. And so I went to work there inputting bills for, for parks, mobile home parks. Like what are these, you know, trailer parks and uh, inputting utility bills and, and all kinds of stuff. And the, you know, the first thing 
and and I'll do this like I do the the, the kids. I've set up a scholarship at Burbank High, and I go back and teach the kids and show them, hey, you know, don't buy into all this nonsense because Julio Jaramillo, who sat in your desk here at Burbank High with nothing, zero. We came here with zero, and I started my company Evergreen Communities with five thousand dollars. You know, now has over a hundred employees. You know, three hundred million dollar asset value, and uh, and so so you can do it. I don't care what color your skin is, what race, what gender. And I, I bring my credit report. First thing I do is I bring my credit report. I print it out that morning, and you know, it's like an eight something. And I hand this around, and I say I, I say, you see that? I like that doesn't have a race, that doesn't have a gender, that doesn't have a sexual orientation. That has a number, and without this number, Fannie Mae, GE Capital, Wells Fargo, Bercadio, Walker and Dunlap, none of them would have lent me a dime without this being a good number. So the first thing you got to worry about is taking care of this number, not worrying about the color of your skin or your, your name or what language you speak. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I really focused on, on that, on just the basics. And while, while at Carlisle, I was inputting bills and, you know, I, 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 I again, tell the kids this story is you, 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 you can't just do something mundane and do it half-assed. If you're going to do it, and that was one of my dad's lessons, and I'm going to tell it to the, for our Spanish listeners, uh, haga la cosa bien o no haga nada, which was do it right or don't do it at all. Don't, don't waste my freaking time. And my dad would tell me that when I'm mowing the lawn. He'd mow it right, edge the damn thing, and do it right, or, 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 or get the hell out of here, and, and I'm, I'm going to kick your ass later. So uh, that, that was my story to these kids. I was inputting these bills. And one of our one of the properties, great property in Virginia that Ron Singer still owns, Forest Lake Estates. The water bill was four thousand a month, four thousand a month, and then boom, the next the third or fourth month in, I was like seven thousand a month. I'm like, what the hell's going on? So I walk it into our uh, our CFO's office, and I'm like, Phil, something's something's going on with this water bill because it's always four thousand. And you know, and again, I'm I'm a num- numbers just stick in my head. I'm like, now it's seven. And he's like, oh, shit. So we called the man, the maintenance. They found the leak. And about a week later, he comes into my office. He said, he says, I, I need to speak to you. And, and I'm like, all right. He's like, I'm going to have to let you go. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, because we're wasting your talent as an AP clerk. You're going to become a you're going to become a staff accountant for me and learn these properties from the numbers from the ground up. And I want you to get an accounting degree, which they didn't have at UCLA. I had now transferred to UCLA. Because I want you to get an accounting degree, and I'm going to pay for it, but I need you to work full time for me. So I then transferred to Cal State LA. So I started at Caltech, and I ended up at Cal State LA, which is still a good school. And uh, finished my accounting degree. It took me eight years. So again, another lesson I teach these kids: I'm like, you're going to have Plan A, Plan B, and Plan C, and it's going to probably be Plan D or E because it never goes the way you expect it. And so it took me eight years, finished my degree as an accountant, and became controller, eventually CFO and director of acquisitions for Ron at, at, at the Carlisle Group. We had about 3,000 sites. We, we, uh, we, we were, at that time, we were about 99% occupied. I mean, we were buying communities back then at 10 and 11 caps. I mean, that, that, I know people on there are like, oh, my God, what? you could have owned the world. <laughs> um, and and, and Ron, Ron did. He has a great portfolio. He always said, hey, I have enough, and, you know, very successful home in Beverly Hills, home in Bel Air, and different places, and and uh, so in 99, finally, myself, and there was a young attorney there, said, you know, this was right in the dot-com, and everybody was getting stock options, and this and that, and we told Ron, hey, Ron, we're going to go do this, 
ourselves. And he said, okay, you know, it was, it was, there was a little rough separation because he was like a father to me and I was like a son to him. And, um, but you know, he, he knew, Hey, you got to eventually spread your wings. So I started Evergreen in July 19th of 1999 and went from a six figure income to zero. I, I was like, Oh boy. I, I, and I had, I had a 401k. So a, a, another lesson learned, save, save, save. And I cashed out my 401k and I said, all right, I can live off this for six months. And I put 5,000 aside to form Evergreen Communities LLC. And if it doesn't work, I can go be a, a, a controller, a CFO, an accountant somewhere in, in six months. I'm going to give it a shot. And uh, bought my first community up in Syracuse, New York. Uh, seller finance, real beater, just you know, tight, tight spaces, small homes. And was was looking for my first investor so i just i syndicated my first deal and you know i I talked to some friends well you know, one guy said okay ten thousand here another guy a good friend of mine sean who i knew since first grade had just sold his real estate company here in burbank and he said i don't know what the hell you're getting into and again picture 99 so nobody right. knew what this stuff is and he's like, i don't know what the hell you're getting into um but all i know is everything you did through junior high high school everything you did was spot on i mean he, he used to wrinkle my paper my math paper and i'd get so angry that i'd recopy the whole thing over because i couldn't have a wrinkle on my paper i mean he, he just knew i was okay i bet he loved <laughs> so messing he with you yeah he's, yeah he, he, lo- he loved gotta be your investor me. he's gonna be one of your investors that ask you all the annoying questions right and it, it bugs you or does he leave you alone no he he leaves me alone and is yeah. and is to, to this last deal we just bought in August, which I'll tell you guys later, he's he's been in that one. So, uh, so he said, I'm I'm just investing in you. So he gave me some money, and then I went. Someone referred me to a fellow that was a a, a dot com guy, and we went uh, D Nyman, cool Jewish guy. And again, I, I love telling these stories because these people get caught up in their in their groups and their tribes. And I'm like I'm like when my first investor was white, my CFO is Armenian. My, my, one of my greatest investors, Jewish, uh, you know, so if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to start categorizing yourself, get out of the way. Cause I, I got people to talk to. So, um, I sit down with D Nyman and, uh, he just a young, young guy, real smart computer guy, made some money. And, you know, he's telling me, he goes, well, you know, I just invested in this rock band in LA here in Hollywood. Um, just so I can get the, the leftover girls from the band. Okay. So this guy was just, just picture this guy. And, and then he said, he, so he hands me, he goes, I handed my business plan. I put together a plan and the, the, the first summary of his deal. And he just hands it back to me. And he goes, I'm not going to read this crap. He's like, he's like, I just want to tell my friends that I invested in a trailer park. So he goes, I know you're going to lose this money, but it doesn't matter. So he writes me a check for a hundred thousand. My, my first deal, I, I raised 200 grand with seller financing and put in my own first 5,000 and these other guys money and went to work and just, you know, got out there and, you know, doing the numbers and in, inside of a, a pub in Syracuse, New York, figuring out, you know, what's going on and, and going, you know, every, everywhere, every city I buy and I go and like, I, I got to learn this town and see what's going on. So, checked out the university and went to went to the the carrier dome to see a game and there was this this stud college kid named Carmelo Anthony playing and uh w- watched him in 99 before he became a pro but we we closed that first deal and our our returns were uh, right out of the box 17 percent 
you know, we, we, we'd send out distributions quarterly to our investors and they're like, Oh shoot, when are we doing another one? So then I got the next deal and had to raise 500 grand. And the guys that put in a hundred wanted 250 and another guy that wanted put in 50 wanted 75 or a hundred. And, and to this day, I've never fortunately had to go uh, to, to uh, institutional financing or institutional investors. It, it's just all been friends, family, and word of mouth. And, the, you know, I, I've, I have a, a deal, maybe like 200 investor bullpen of, of guys from the start and then their friends and they told other people. And, you know, it's like, when are we doing our next deal? I'm like, I, I'm not going to buy something just, just to place your money. I'm going to buy something that's going to work, that's going to make mm-hmm. sense for all of us. And, uh, you know, and, and one, one state at a time and one community at a time, uh, you know, built up, built up Evergreen. Well, that's, yeah, that's, so, that's quite the story. I mean, I, I remember the first time I heard you say some of that at the George Allen, just like, look, I got a privilege. It's American privilege. And, and I'm standing for the flag. Yeah. I was like, this guy's awesome. And then the guy after you, I felt sorry for, he's like, hi, my name's Bob and I make loans. Next guy's like, my name's John. I, I work with Bob. And I'm like, man, that's, that's really hard to follow Julio up there with his, with his speech uh, and all you've been able to do. I'm sure you've been an inspiration to those, those young guys too, in, in Burbank for sure. But it's, it's great to hear just portions of your story there and the successes you've had. I mean, that's awesome that, you know, you, I, I use the analogy, you burn the boats, right? Like you quit your job, big salary down to zero salary. Like, you know, there is a plan B that I can always be, always, you know, when I started doing MHP, I could always be a lawyer again, but I yeah. want to do, I want to do this. You know, but I'm like, I don't want to really have the plan B. I'm like, I'm going to burn the boats. I'm going to be all in. And, and if, you know, and then it seems like you just, you just work a little harder. You just, you think a little smarter and you just want it a little bit. And then, sure enough, good things happen to good people. And you've been, you know, obviously my dad always says you put yourself in a position to win. So you got your education, you took care of your credit score, you presumably and clearly stayed out of trouble. You, you know, you, you did all the right things. And as your dad said, my dad said similar stuff. He used to build fences on the farm or paint fences. Like, you know, in a quarter inch off, isn't close. It's wrong. Right. You might, you got to do right. it right. Right. So if you're going to do it, do it, do it right. Is you know, I, I really can, can appreciate that. And then, it's interesting to me that you you started your portfolio when you went on your own all the way across the country from California to New York. How did you find that deal? Was that, was that the, was the plan find a deal or was the plan find a deal? I like New York or because it seems like that'd be the hardest thing to manage in order to relocate. Yeah. There? Yeah. Yeah. No, great, great question. Um, it, it, it's funny because I, I, I figure and Ron is, you know, my mentor and just a, a brilliant, brilliant guy taught me so many things. And, and, so he was, his portfolio was in the mid Atlantic, the North, mostly mid Atlantic, a little bit of the Northeast. And he, he was just very cerebral and we'd sit down and talk and he'd say, look, Julio, this is where two thirds of the population is. Okay. And he would stay out of California because of failure to maintain and rent control and, and, you know, the, the camp rates and what you can buy even back then, it's just the, the highest and best use of land here in California it was just very hard to get into that California market with, you know, especially when you're raising money and, um, you know, dealing with those things. And then he, he didn't like Florida. He had a little saying, which we're in Florida and love it now, but initially he's like, you know, the, the senior communities, he said, those seniors have too much time on their hand and they're just going to be complaining and this and that. And so, so his, his bread and butter was that Northeast. And I mean, he did phenomenal there. And so, I had, a, you know, a network of people through, through working with Ron and some, some brokers and, and, you know, I, I always, you know, I told Ron, Hey Ron, I'm, 
I'm never going to take something that would be a, a deal you would look at. But he, he, he didn't like New York. He didn't buy in New York. And this broker just sort of sent me this deal and it was just the right size. Uh, you know, it's the, the purchase price was $750,000. Okay. And with a hundred thousand down seller finance, six fifty, And then I, and then I, I put in another hundred thousand. I raised 200 for, I redid roads and so, capitalized it. Right. So I was like, you know what, this is what I can work with and deal with right now. It was baby steps. And, you know, New York, uh, the, the, the attorney at Carlisle that I was with, um, he was going to start Evergreen with me and he decided not to. And, you know, he's, he was like, how would ask your same question? How are we going to do this in, in New York? And I was like, I turned to him and I said, we've been doing this for Ron at Carlisle for 11 years. I mean, it, it, it's nothing different. You got to have good on-site staff. You got to make your trips and visits out there and, you know, eventually build up to a regional and what have you. So I just said, I went for it. And when I got there, we closed December 1st of 99. It was, I mean, snow, you know, and I, I'm in LA. I mean, here, here I'm, I'm sitting, you know, getting ready to head to Palm Springs with my family. And it's about almost 80 degrees, 82 degrees. So snow was like, oh boy. And, and I went out there and, you know, I, but I, knowing Ron's portfolio and knowing we needed a, a truck and a snow plow and everything we had to get done there, I just said, let's give it a shot. And, you know, started, started in New York, New York and then built around there a couple, a couple, uh, different brokers sent me some other stuff that said, okay, you, you delivered and you bought. And, you know, if, if the new guys, things I could pass down to you is, you know, I never retraded a deal. Um, it, uh, I, I didn't go around a broker or try to backdoor or, or, you know, as, as, as we would say, uh, you know, picking up and stepping over a dollar to pick up a nickel, you know, it's like you're, 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 you're you think you're going to, uh, you know, cut a broker down 10, $25,000 on a $10 million deal. You, you, you're you never going to see that broker again. He's not going to send you another deal. So mm. we, we just, like you said, did the right things. I always thought, you know, all my, my CFO and my regionals, I brought them on. They, they got equity in each of our deals that we went into. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I pride myself in, sh in sharing the, the, the pie only gets bigger. You, you know, I, I was listening to you, one of your podcasts, uh, um, with, with the, with uh james cook and some of the other some of the other guys that the studs you had on that are putting together some big stuff now and and you know one of them mentioned you know a hundred percent of zero is zero so yeah. if you think you're going to get a hundred percent of everything you know good luck to you you got you got to share you got to share with your staff you got to share with with other investors uh, you know uh, uh, all all pieces of the pie have to be taken care of so um so built built from there and just always knew that you can't try to no matter how good a deal is you can't squeeze the juice out of that deal in one year i mean you got to know that you're going to hold these for 20 years and those new york deals i i still have them now i mean 22 years later out of depreciation on them and everything <laughs> else but but new is like uh, we're, we're gonna get there nice and steady we'll do our rent increases not not you know always recognizing this is still affordable housing. You know, I don't care if you buy a community, a hundred, two hundred dollars under rent. Every one of them residents in there is living check to check or on social security or used to that rental rate. And the only way you're going to get there is slow and steady or through attrition, you know, bring them up when new homes come in. Um, but, but to just go in there and ram two years of $50 rent increases or a hundred dollar rent increase, you're going to get what happened in New York. We got rent control because, because an operator did that. Um, so 
we always go in, we do roads, we do playground, and, and, and we spread our improvements out too. You know, a lot of these tenants, you got to look at that. They're like, well, what have you done for me lately? So we don't go in there and first year just boom, make it a, from a three to a five star and give them a, you know, 20, 25, $30 rent increase. And then the next year, you're like, well, I, I, I still got to go a little, a little more than that 10, 15 bucks. And, and you don't do anything. We're like, okay, next year we'll do the playground or you, you prioritize. We, we might do a playground this year. Next year we'll do a gazebo with a, with the seating area and some outdoor barbecue courts. And then the following year we're doing, uh, you know, a, a pet walk or diff- different things. So spread I out a, your, your, I got a question, a question on that if I can, cause that, it's interesting approach. I'm with you all the way on the don't, don't shove a hundred dollar run increase down their throats. Now I've got a couple of clients that have done that and regret it because, because guess what people leave, guess what people get pissed. And then all of a sudden they're calling the city on this and calling some of this and reporting this. And now you got a bunch of headaches and you know, you can't keep good management. So, so it can lead to other problems, but you said you like to spread the improvements. That's so my question is, do you do that if the park is well, irrespective of whether it's stabilized or infill? Because what I've been doing lately is I just budget all that CapEx up front if it's a heavy infill, because then it's a better place to a new, better place to live. So I'll do the dog park, the playground, the picnic area, the roads right out of the gate, spend a bunch. But I'll tell people, look, we're at 300, the market's at 500, letting them know there's a market, 500, we're going to 340. Like, okay, so they kind of know it's not going to stay 340 forever, but it's like, look, yeah. we're not going to make you go to 500 because we realize that's a lot of thought to choke on, even though you you do have a better living experience, you like the neighborhood better. But I've been, if it's a heavy infill, I've been like, spend all the money up front. Is that, do you do the, do you still stage it out on an infill or is, are you buying stuff that's more stabilized where it's like, look, you can only, yeah. you only get rents, you can't really get infill. And then, then as right. a result, you need to have, uh, what have you done for me lately kind of delivery? Yeah. Yeah. No, the great question. Um, you know, the, a, a lot of the stuff and, and until the last few years, we didn't have to buy in Phil. I mean, we were, we were still under the radar, had relationships, finding deals. And, and I'll tell you later about some joint ventures we're doing now too. But um, we, so, so we, we didn't find or have to buy real distressed properties or a lot of infill. So, so the improvements were, were nice, noticeable, improvements that are that that are, the residents could see but now in your case we we have and we bought a few where we've had to do infill yes you do have to do all those improvements and really make it shine and make that big bang for your buck but what we do is the new home so in your your example 500 markets 500 you're at 300 with with all those improvements absolutely 340 they can see okay we're getting something and then the new homes that are coming in they may come in at 450 or 475 or 500 because these are new bodies coming into your property. You're, you're not taking sure. someone who's been there 10, 15, 20 years and, and, and bringing them up. So uh, you, you, you almost have those two rent tier levels, bringing in the new people at, at, the, at the higher, closer to market rate and the other people and, and the other people know and they see. And then when they get turnover, if, if it's a resale, we say, okay, but when you resell your home, that 340 they're going to the new market rent of 450 uh and you know that this is all the stuff they're getting for it and and continuing it on you know keeping stuff up don't just do it once and you know five seven years from now your 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 swings are falling down and i mean you know properly maintaining the place so so we're 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 real sticklers about just little little stuff like that is is the little details need to be taken care of yeah that 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 makes sense i mean it's not 
not stick it to the current residents, but if the new resident, like this is the market price and you, you, it's transparent, this is what you're buying into, as opposed to I've been here for 10 years and now it's a new owner surprise. Curious your thought on that to, to take it another granular level. When I'm in film, sometimes I'm like, you know, I, I could bring those new people up at 450, but I have on a several occasions strategically brought them in still low at 350, which hurts my lot rent in my park NOI, but my total payments are over a hundred dollars cheaper than otherwise would be. And then my infill happens faster. And then I get them in there and then I can move and say, look, you're going to get $25 a year for four years. So you'll get there, but it helps with the bank approval. And it comp- compared to the competing parks, I'm like, look, I'm 120. I'm the other guys are higher by 150 bucks. Uh, so I'm like, I'm $150 cheaper. And, we, and by the way, I'm selling the exact same brand new house. So I felt like that's yeah. helped me in infill, but it, it, it certainly hampers my, NOI growth almost by design. Do you have a, have you, have you evaluated both of those and, and come to one conclusion or have you just tried the one and it's worked and that's the way that it's, you've, you've done it on your infill projects? Yeah, no, I mean, we evaluate it deal by deal, but it, it, it depends, you know, how many sites you're, you know, if you're, if you got to fill a hundred sites and you want to fill them quick, like you said, yeah. Uh, but we, we, even, even if in that example, even if the market's 500, 525, we still, come in lower so if we were at three bringing them in at 350 we're like well we're going to bring you in at 450 you're still almost 75 100 under the market and you're getting a brand new home with this new infrastructure we put in so uh, i i don't think that's ever been the decider of someone moving out well no i want to come in at the 340 rate that everyone else is paying uh so i, I think it and, and looking at you know how what are you projecting for your infill? How, how quick do you think you can do it? How many homes can you get? As we all know, the problem nowadays. Uh, but um, we, we, we don't like to bank on the infill, but know that, okay, hey, we're going to get there slow and steady. We may, we may project, you know, conservatively 12 to 18 homes a year, you know, one to one and a half a month. And, you know, hopefully we're doing a lot more than that, but we're just being conservative on that. And then, uh, you know, get them at a, at a decent rent level for the product. Got it. No, that makes, that makes sense. You mentioned, on your, you mentioned you you syndicated in the first deal. What tips do you have for, for first time syndicators? I, I, my first couple of deals were just me and my dad. So we didn't syndicate, but then when I later went out and syndicated, I didn't have a lot of mentors that had shown me how to do it. I understood the math, understood the spreadsheet, but in, in hindsight, I, took too little of a GP stake. And then in hindsight, I should have had additional hurdles in there if I hit a certain IRR threshold, but that's more complicated to pitch to the investor, especially mm-hmm. in your first deal, first deal without a track record. Um, but what, what general tips would you have for raising money? And, and, and you obviously did it out of the gate. Some people I've heard say, I don't ever want to partner. I'm just, just me. Some people say, no, I need more partners because that's how you get grow. And that's how you get more pie and, and share with your team. As you mentioned, we just rolled out a kind of an ESOP program for our team on distribution for something similar like that. Just to, again, oh, get people motivated and, 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 and reward them, frankly, you know, that for, for the team benefit team, I call them team wins, like team win. Everybody gets yeah. a check. Every time we close a deal, everybody gets a check. And just we're all working together, um, but maybe if you give us some insights on some of those kind of just team leadership, but also from a from a syndication standpoint as to pitching the deal. Generally, it's like you're yeah. not rich, but you're pitching to rich guys. How do you do that? Yeah, yeah I, I like that. Um, well, we kept it initially, and and we modified a few things obviously over the years, and but we kept it simple. Uh, you know, when I went into that first deal, and 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 the great thing about this industry, and a lot of people know, I've I've, I've given people some of my uh, 
operating agreements and this and that getting started. I mean, there, there's, there's, you know, you mentioned before the secret sauce, but I, I, I look at it as if, if we all do the right things and bring up the quality and the, the, the lifestyle and the rents and we all benefit. I mean, you know, people say, well, how, how are you going to get that product? I'm like, we have 25, maybe 25, 28 communities, you know, in, in 20 years. I mean, we've, we've had others and sold them, but, um, and you know, that, that's, that, that's a small little piece of the pie and, and I'm living just fine. Everything's great. So you don't need to own everything. You don't need to be, Oh my God, this group has just gotten up to 10,000 sites and 20,000 sites. And you get caught up in that euphoria and it's like, Hey, I, I'm happy over here with 4,000 sites. And I owe a big, I own a good chunk of all each of those and myself and eventually whether my ends up with my kids are, are going to be fine. So the, the thing is to not get greedy not think you got to make it all on one deal, uh, but properly reward yourself. You're, you're finding the deal. You're putting the hard work. When the shit hits the fan, they're going to be coming to you. So you got to pro- properly reward yourself. So in, in our, when I started it off in our, in our business plan, we had these wheels. I'm a big cyclist. So it was like a wheel of a spoke and it, it had evergreen is the managing member of every every entity. So we form a single, single purpose entity that the lenders all love and need newly formed LLC within the state, New York LLC. We just bought in Mississippi, a Mississippi LLC. We in new Orleans, we have a Louisiana LLC and each of these evergreen is the sole managing member. And then we have the limited members, the investors. And we, you know, we, we keep it simple for them. We tell them, okay, here's our returns. Here, here's what we expect to, to get to. And, the money is going to get, you know, and, and it would depend on the size of the deal, but anywhere from a 70-30 split to a to an 80-20 on a much bigger deal. But th- that first deal in New York was a 70, the money's getting 70% of the return and my sweat equity and everything I'm doing is going to get 30% of the return. And then how I divvy that up with my my CFO, my, my regional or anyone else who got a piece of that, that's all on me. And we all got... You know, I, I told them I only get paid when you get paid, and it was just that we didn't at that at that time have to do a preferred. We we've changed some of that and still do a preferred, but um, the the returns were good enough where they were getting seventeen percent on uh, on their money and for seventy percent of the ownership, and I was getting seventeen percent on my thirty percent of the ownership, and uh, you know each deal we had a, a, the next deal was a little bit bigger, and it was seventy five twenty five seventy five to the money the capital. 25 to the to the promote sweat equity whatever whatever people want to call it um and you know now over the years we've done some joint ventures and we've given now some preferred returns where you're going to get you know either a seven or eight percent preferred and then everything after that we split it uh we you know 60 40 there's been there's a deal where we've done now that we did in colorado that it was an eight percent preferred and uh, anything beyond that was split 50 50 but it was a total redo i mean we 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 had everything on the line and and you gotta you gotta sell to these investors if, if uh, luckily i haven't had a lot that 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 really question anything but say look i'm going on the loan for the carve out um I, i've i've done loans recourse we don't have any now because we don't have to but you know i've had to do loans at recourse so if anything goes wrong i'm on the hook uh <laughs> You know, we're going to be the ones getting on a plane and taking calls in the middle of the night and doing this and doing that. And 
using our line of credit with 21st Mortgage and everything that we build and everything that we have, it, we're all in on this. So that's what you're getting for your, for our ownership. And we're bringing you the deal, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, so I, re- I remind them of that. And, you know, people are like, oh, I can buy Tesla stock or Microsoft. Like, oh, so you don't think that the, the ownership's getting stuff out? You don't think Bill Gates or, or mm-hmm. Elon Musk are, are, are making money off your shares? I mean, it's, 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 it's just how it works. So we've I been do- fortunate where we, ha- we, we haven't got a lot of pushback on that. And our returns have been strong and consistent enough where, I mean, I just get guys that say, don't sell anything. I don't want to pay Uncle Sam. Or if you're selling something, it better be in an exchange and just keep sending me those quarterly checks. And, you know, like the first guy I told you about, Sean, it lives in Prescott, Arizona now, riding his mountain bike. And, and you know, it, it, if anything, I carry the weight of, oh, shit, I'm, 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 I got to make sure Sean's retirement is on my shoulders because that, our that, communities are I think that's, are I, think that's, I think that's part of it, right? I mean, you've got the passion. You've entered, you got the know-how. You, you, I love that you have an accounting degree. I have an accounting degree, too. It's like you've learned the technical skill. It's not just all yep. salesmanship. You know the nuts yep. and bolts. You can watch the business. You can understand the optics. You can then look for problems like you did on your water bill at the beginning of the story where you then got a, offers, obviously, a new career path and promotion. But I think part of it is just you, you tell people, look, I'm in, too. I mean, my first deal I syndicated, I had to raise 750000 I put in zero. I was like, look, I got a, I got some of my own money I could put in, but you don't want me spending my money. You want me living off it so I don't have to go out and mow grass on weekends. You want me working on this deal and only this deal, and I need to pay my own bills exactly. until until this deal hits. And my friend Brian, I gave him the PPM. It was like 195 pages. And he and I give to his fur. I'm not I'm not smart enough to you know, I don't know how to do this stuff. He goes, Should I sign this? And I was like, look, Brian, I'm 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 the attorney, but I'm not your attorney. I'm the promoter. I'm the guy trying to raise your money. Like, you need to get your own. He goes, Look, man. Same thing your investors said to you, like, I'm investing in you. And he said, yeah. if you tell me it's a good deal, I'm in for 50 grand. It's the biggest check I've ever written. He said, but you got to come pick it up and look me in the eye. And he said, I'm <laughs> invested in you. I trust you. And it was like, that was awesome, right? He didn't, he didn't look at my spreadsheets. He didn't read the PPM. He just he gave me a check. And, and we just refinanced that deal this year. And you got a much bigger check back. And, you know, we had a yeah. four, 4X multiple in two and a half years. And he's just like... You gotta be kidding me, man. This is like, yeah. So I'm like, I'm just like, you got a big check, dude. Not the next investor is not going to get as high a yield, but you backed me when I needed it. And he's like, do you believe in the deal? I said, I'm signing a million dollar note recourse. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm not putting any money in, but I'm signing the note. So I'm not just going to walk away the first time it's tough. And I'm not going to walk away if I get a job offer that is attractive. Like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm tying myself to this heavy infill project. And and then that seems like that makes the same as your story. That that's the rapport that got people in. And now you got guys that are calling you. Hey, when can I send you more money? You know, yeah, yeah. that's yeah, a good no, place that, to that, be. It is. It is. And great, great story. And that's, you know, that's another thing for, for the, the, the new guys, you know, that they, they hear this, Oh man, this is the next get rich quick scheme. And it's not, I mean, it, it's, this is a long, hard road. You're going to get, you know, uh, freeze outs in the middle of the night. We had well water that was contaminated with the E. coli, but one, by one of our maintenance guys who was the son of the seller and, and, and was pissed off that daddy didn't give him the park. And, uh, and, you know, and we, you know, we, we thought we were going to be like, you know, kids were going to get sick. And I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stress that comes with it. But um, the, the thing I always said is I'm more worried about my investors money than my own. I mean, I, I couldn't live with myself to tell them, Hey guys, I lost your money or Hey guys, this, I mean, these are all uh, initially friends and family and even new people, you know, I, I treat them as, as, 
as my own money. So you got to go if you think you're going to, oh, I'm just going to use OPM, other people's money, screw them over and keep, fee them to death and take this and that, then you're in the wrong business because it, it's going to be short lived. You, you got to do this long term, do it right. And, and, and you know, people say, oh, Julio, you're so nice and you're so benevolent. It's like, no, it's called self-preservation. I'm going to do the right thing because it's going to keep me going and, and build what I've built here. And, and it, you know, it wasn't out of, out of you know, uh, Robin Hood here. It, it's, it's about doing the right thing and it pays back in dividends and you get paid back in dividends. So I've, I've always, always just made sure my investors, I mean, there's been times, early, early periods, we, we didn't even have an agreement. You know, I, I told you that 70-30 split and I was like, oh, shoot, we, we got to buy a we got to buy a home or do this. And we didn't have enough capital. And I held withheld, I held back my distribution, put it back into the deal to buy it. And I said, I'll, I'll get it later on the refinance and, and put my own money back into it to, to make sure I I deliver to everybody. So, uh, so you, 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 you know, take care of them first. It'll, it'll take care of you. And then same with now we put money into our deals. Like you said, Um, you know, it doesn't even have to be a large amount. Like, Oh, you put some in. Yeah. We're putting in, 250 or we might put in 500 in this deal because i want that great return plus we're going to get it on the uh on the promote side but um and then when they see that you're in with us like you said you sign that note for a million bucks you're you're in it as much as anybody and and reminding them hey i had to put earnest money deposit on this deal that's my money and if we lose it or something comes up i don't get to say oh investors the deal didn't close here's we lost the $250,000 earnest money deposit and, uh, you know, we paid all the third parties and the deposits with the lenders and this and that, but it turns out there was contamination. There's no way we can do this deal. Guess who gets to eat that? We do. Exactly. So, yeah. So you got to just sort of remind them that, you know, this, this is, and, and after, all they got to do is get in once like your buddy with the 50,000 and they'll like, okay, I get it. What, what, where's the next one? And, you know, and, and, and what could you do? But, We've been we've been buying so lately. I'll, I'll move on to that because I know some of the listeners will want to learn. Uh, so we don't have a full acquisition guy. We're very lean. My corporate office is me, a CFO, two accountants, and a regional. There's five of us, and then mm-hmm. I have three regional three regional managers uh, for about four thousand sites. Three regional managers and then on-site personnel at each. But uh, we're you know we're hands-on. We're emailing. We're 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 always using technology. We're on Manage America, which we like. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, we're, we're OCD checking on stuff. Okay. How's our delinquency? How's our occupancy? What are we doing? We go out quarterly to the properties. You know, somebody's there, if, usually monthly, but uh, uh, myself or corporate, our, C, our CFO will do some trips and we walk the property. You got to get in there, get in your jeans, don't show up in a Porsche, show up to the property, you know, mellow. And, walk the property with the manager and just, just be human, just like them. I don't, they, they don't need to know our net worth or what's like, Hey, I've started right down there with you. And I've, I've handed a shovel to a guy and said, give me that. Let's go. Let's, let's dig this freaking water line out. Uh, but we walk each home, we walk with the manager and, you know, do home inspection, see what's going on. And you can learn so much. And then we walk it and drive it at night. You want to drive it and see your property at night. How's the lighting? What's going on? Is there, you know, you see stuff that looks like drugs or anything just bizarre. And then we also walk it and talk without the manager. And you want to talk to the people that, oh, yeah, your manager, Vicky over here, she's never here. The office is never open. I'm like, really? I'm, I mean, we call and we check and we, 
And like, no, she's never here. She's, nobody's ever there. I can never get a hold of them. So we do unannounced visits. You, you don't have to tell everyone you're coming. I mean, I've, I've dropped in on a manager and it, the office is supposed to open at nine. It's like 10 o'clock. Like, where is he? I went to his house. He was living in one of our other communities and he had a semi truck parked in front. I'm like, what is this? I climb up. I mean, I'm just hyper hyper. So I'm climbing up on the truck. What the hell is this truck? And I see it's licensed to our my, manager and uh, he's, running trucks out of Detroit to, to our, to our Fort Wayne, Indiana park um, on our dime while we're paying him. And uh, so, and and he wasn't even, they weren't even up for bed. I'm knocking on the door. Oh, we didn't know you were coming. Well, yeah, bingo. Yeah, Um, exactly. (laughs) So, so we, we fired them, replaced them, but you, you gotta, you, you, you gotta have those controls in there while again, rewarding the wins, like you mentioned. So, so we talk to residents, find out what's, you know, what, what do they think of the park or what's going on or what, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? Um, and, and go that route. No, that's, Wait. that's good. That's good stuff. Yeah, I love the random check-in on the manager. Oh, I, you didn't, yeah. I didn't know you were coming. I would have, I would have like, you would have what? You would have done something different. Yeah. You would have cleaned up the park. You would have been more presentable. You would have, been, that's the point is I want to see how you are in your natural environment. And I'm totally with you yep. on, yeah, don't show up in the Porsche. We, we bought a park from a guy in Kansas City Market. He had two different Porsches. He was, <laughs> was running this place like a slum and he'd show up in his, you know, boat shoe loafers and his, his blazer and a nice Porsche and walk around and bang on the door. And this guy, the day before closing, we had a tenant that was behind. Like we, we told him we get rights to back rent. And you know, that was in the contract. He was like, oh, fine. So the day before closing, he doesn't, he hasn't told the tenants that we're, we're buying it. He knocks on this person's door and he shoves it down their throat and forces them to cash in their IRA or 401k, eat the penalty. And there was only like $3,000 in there to get their last liquid dollar. So he could get that back rent for three or four months. As of, so we couldn't try to pursue it. We weren't going to do that to the person, but he was literally fighting over the person's last dime so he could get back in his Porsche. And it's like, dude, one, you're heartless, but, but two, you're going to get stabbed out here, you know, when you're in your Porsche, you know, and shaking these people down for 200 bucks. And yeah, um, it just was, it was just a bad, a bad vibe all the way around with that guy. But Yeah. And, and meanwhile, he's left so much on the table and the value of the property because he's mismanaged it. So, oh, yeah. That, yeah, he lost yeah. 11. He had 11 homes get trashed and burned out in like the last three or four years. It's like we would have paid yeah. you for 11 more occupied sites. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. He had not. Yeah, he had he had a, his main his maintenance guy lived on site and had not uh, paid rent in 10 years. He's like, oh, he's hard yeah. up on his job. He's just and that wasn't part of his compensation. He's like, yeah, I just haven't really made him. He lives in the Seipel house, you know, he, he pushes the snow. So I just, you know, I looked the other way. It's like, yeah. yeah, you left, you left more on the table. You could have had another Porsche if you'd have just ran yeah. the property properly. But <laughs> Julio, this yeah. is great stuff. This is great stuff. What other, before we, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but before we jump, any other tips or tricks or fun stories for our audience? Uh, yeah. So the, the, probably the last five to seven deals we've done uh, have been joint ventures. Someone that came to us and said, Hey, uh, you know, we've met in the industry, some of the shows, you know, people like yourself, there was a broker different and said, Hey, I want to buy this deal. I don't have the, the management background or the, all the capital, but I have the deal here it is. And we've gone in 50, 50 on several deals with people and put them on our, uh, our, our manage America and our accounting system. And we brought in capital with them and we got to get into a good deal. And we've gone out and walked the property and showed them how we manage. And, uh, 
And so we've, we've been able to, to help some other younger and other guys build up uh, their portfolios in conjunction with us. So it, it's been, that, that's been great. And, you know, and then I always just say, as you see so much of this new money coming in, it's like, get over yourself. It's, I don't care if you're from Goldman or you're from this or you went to Yale or you, whatever it is, um, you, you got to, you got to realize that this is, this is a business of affordable housing, simple blue collar people. And, you know, everyone's watching us from HUD, from different, the new administration, from the, from the Elizabeth Warrens of the world. Uh, so the more you go out there and bang your chest of, oh, how great we're doing. And I screwed these people and they have nowhere to move and they have nowhere to go. And I, you know, it's, it, and you're not doing the right thing for them. You're, you're not only hurting yourself, you're hurting everybody in the industry and on top of your residents. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. So do the right things and give back to them. It'll give back to you. So, I mean, that, I guess that's, that's my parting comment because <laughs> it's worked for me for 21 years at Evergreen and 11 years at, at, with Ron Singer. And, uh, you know, it, it's been, it's been a great run and we can, we're just getting started where we keep reinventing ourselves. Yeah, it's great, man. Great, great advice for sure. And in and, and all, all walks of life, but also of course in this business, just do the right thing, man. And it'll, it'll work out for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so what our, uh, I'm at, uh, Julio at evergreen communities.com. And, uh, our website is, uh, evergreen communities.com. Uh, and again, anything I can help or tips or ideas or, um, you know, feel, feel free to reach out to me. And I was just moving for a guy who wants a bigger parking spot here, doing the right thing, giving him, giving him. <laughs> you the are you're putting you the test. That was staged, right? All right. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks again. And uh, God bless. All right. Good talking to you and any, anything I can do, just reach out. All right. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.